Hi, Tisha. Hi, Jen. How's it going? <laughs> oh, it's okay. How are you? You were saying you had a disaster today. I mean, mini well, disaster, but exactly. yeah, like disaster is, you know, relative. My, my oldest daughter is like, she really takes care of her things. She doesn't like keep everything. She's very reasonable about you know, getting rid of toys. She doesn't play with anymore, but the things that she has are very important to her and they're important and they're meaningful. And apparently, um, (laughs) Uh Oh, she also has a journal. So she had a journal and her, my youngest was pretending that she was going to take her journal and read it. And so there was like a little bit of like a tug of war thing happening with the journal which that's like out of a movie. Yeah. Did it rip? No. Okay. It actually resulted in them knocking over a snow globe, which smashed to pieces. And I am telling you, I have underestimated how much water is in a snow globe. There's a lot. There's a lot. And when it smashed, like it smashed on her desk and all the glass fell in this little bin of stuffed animals she has beside the desk. So now there's just like glass and little pieces of snow and wet everything. And the reaction from my oldest, like, honestly, I thought somebody was severely injured because it was just like scream bawling her eyes out. I'm like, what is going on? And then the youngest is crying because it was an accident and she didn't mean for that to happen. And she didn't mean for that to happen, but it was just like a whole thing. I am telling you, it took me probably 40 minutes to clean up all of the mess, which really in the grand scheme of things, I know that this isn't like the be all and end all, but it was not how I was planning to spend my evening. That was not on the agenda. That sounds like a nightmare. And like, there's still a whole bunch of stuffies in my dryer right now because it was just filled with the snow (laughs) and potentially pieces of glass. Glass. So I'm like, it's all going in danger. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just situations today. Situations today. Well, We did a fam, our family or monthly family trip to the chiropractor. Yes. And which we all love. We love our chiropractor and we, we always work it out that we all go together so that mommy gets extra time. She adjusts them more quickly. (laughs) 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 And what we have learned because Wyatt has been seeing the chiropractor since he was born, like eight weeks old, Logan started probably three years ago going um, and we're in the room and they're really comfortable with her. Um, we're in the room and there was like, it looked like a heating lamp or whatever. like, I don't know. There was a lamp over like rolled over to the side and Logan went first and they fought about who got to go first. And, and, uh, he's like, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's a heating lamp, you know, cause you know, it helps with adjustments sometimes it just gets nice and warm and whatever she goes, do you want it? And he was like, yeah. And, and, you know, and meanwhile, Wyatt's sitting there with his legs crossed playing on my phone and she's looking at me like, what is going on? Like, they were just so like grown up all of a sudden and like <laughs> bring on, bring on all the self-care and Wyatt lays down and she's used like a Theragun on me before. And so it's one of those like poundy things like that yeah. works out your muscles. And uh, 
Wyatt was like, I want that. And she's like, so your boys um, are really into uh, their treatments. <laughs> They're about it today. Well, they always are. Like Wyatt lays there with his hands behind his head and his, his feet crossed. He used to, um, when he was an infant and started getting treated by her, he would fall asleep every time. She was his first oh. client to ever fall asleep while being treated. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. They just, they're so like into it. It's pretty hysterical. Um, but yeah. And, and so that was our day. And then I came home to a dog pooped on a rug and we were just that recording happens. an episode and um, Wyatt woke up because he was constipated. So that was super fun to deal with. This is what it's like to record with us. I yeah. Keep like leaving to go. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely laughed a lot during that episode, which is not the one that our, our listeners are about to hear. But but one thing about that is I am going to take all the bits that I cut out with me complaining about this issue and make a little <laughs> behind the scenes reel for the um, for our Patreon community. So that in addition yeah. to with a Tisha's episode that's up there already and a couple of other things we have there are definitely worth subscribing for. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely, Jen. You're so right. And that'll be fun. That'll be a fun little little mini episode. Yeah, it'll be it'll be short, but it'll be like a little fun behind the scenes of what it's actually like to record with us. <laughs> yes. I will say though that this episode that we're releasing this week is was a lot of fun to record as well. Oh yeah. This would have actually this whole constipation conversation would have fit in with it really well. Cause <laughs> I feel like with Lisa, like no holds barred, I'll mess her off of what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the show. Yeah. And uh, subscribe to our Patreon, buy us coffee, like uh, rate review, share with a friend, every little thing that you do to share the show helps us and it helps us make a greater impact which is what we're doing. hi and welcome back to now what i'm jen and i'm tisha thank you so much for listening again we are joined today by lisa hicks who is a life coach and just all around wonderful person welcome lisa Welcome. Thank you. Fun fact, I feel like I don't know how I found Lisa on Instagram or she found me, but we found each other on Instagram and actually I think met in person in for the, in real life like during COVID. It was just before at, we met at um one of Carrie's Oh events. no, we we did. Yeah. We did. We met. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Meet event. But I'm uh, but I'm thinking specifically about that time that we were both at yeah. the oh, Mexican shoot. restaurant. Mm, the best. That's her. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was like August 2020 that was when we all thought that like things were going to clear up soon and that we'd be going back yeah. to normal all those days yeah I remember and that we're still time. on zoom <laughs> not just for recording the podcast Fuck, what a time yeah <laughs> so crazy so crazy so sorry I cut you off Tisha you were talking you were I don't know we we, we were love saying, Lisa we're yeah we're, we're Lisa fans she's a life coach we recommend you follow her on Instagram and that will be in the show notes because she's a lot of fun and we're gonna have fun talking to her so today excited. yeah so we kind of chatted about a couple topics and mm -hmm. I think one of them that that stood out I know to me personally was kind of your journey yeah. with ADHD 
guys sent the email of, you know, how to prepare for the show. I was more making notes on like how to rein myself in forever about this topic. Things that, so as I was saying to you guys before, I was diagnosed when I was 18. So I went my whole life. My mom was like, you've learning disabilities. I'm like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? And then would like, I could get it through school enough to survive and pass and, and move forward. But did, was it a struggle? Oh, absolutely. And like, there were certain things, like I love music, performance, dramatic arts, very much so. I all, I excelled in, but things like math, science, like those were really English. So basically every other subject was very challenging for me. Eventually, and I don't even know how it all worked out, but I got tested. And so the main diagnosis that came out were anxiety, depression. I'm, they had two different diagnoses, so ADHD and ADD. Now it's just the one term. Okay, cool. But nobody explained to me what that meant. Nobody shed any light on that topic. And I was just like, cool. And I went about my merry way, went away. To- Fusion diagnosis, go on your way. I'm not going to give you any tools or strategies. Just it's like, see and you it's later. Well because- and there was no talk of like, even like medication or therapy no. or anything like, because you had anxiety and like anxiety and depression was in there as well, which are comorbidities. Yes, very, very much so. And it's, it's, that's like such an interesting thing too, is it's like when, you know, when I'm working with people and specifically those with ADHD were like pulling apart, like, okay, is the anxiety because of like anxiety or is it because of like all of the masking you've had to do all of your life with ADHD and like, you've learned all of these coping mechanisms, which for me, that's a, that's a, I think a big piece of it. So like, it's funny because my mom has ADHD as well. It's a very genetic disorder. If a child is diagnosed with ADHD, one of the parents is also ADHD or neurodivergent in some capacity. It's very much a spectrum. It's really interesting. I didn't know that. So we, yeah, so I went away to university, started doing some therapy in there, but more for anxiety, went on anxiety meds. Um, And then, you know, just did the things you were supposed to do. I got a job, I, you know, got married and then I had kids and, and all of those pieces. And interesting now, now that I know more about ADHD, looking at my life and just like, you know, I spent my whole life feeling like an outsider. I often explain it as like, I'm, I'm an alien in a human's body, observing those around me, trying to figure out how to human like I don't know how to human and so it was you know a very common thing in ADHD first of all jumping all over the place hi um and and is mirroring and so like there's just so many pieces that like I just I never felt like I fit in I always felt that I was trying really hard but like nothing really worked I was always working against myself and so that's a big thing in in neurodivergence is masking right is like and do what we think others want us to pretend to do and be and act and all of those pieces and then I had kids (laughs) and I couldn't do it anymore because I was fucking exhausted like it's a mess it's a mess Mm -hmm. oh your energy was going to to that you have nothing left to to mask anymore like then Mm -hmm. I, I I struggled with postpartum depression after my first and like so there was all of these these moving pieces and then kind of flash forward to last year, so 2021, um, I built a business, I'm a life coach, and 
I was doing research or watching TikToks. I don't, TikTok played a big part in all of this, but I somehow landed on ADHD TikTok and my mind was absolutely blown. Like literally I was watching videos crying because I was like, holy shit, this explains so much about me. And it was such a pivotal moment in my life because it was the first time I ever felt seen, like truly, truly seen. And not just by the world, but by myself, right? Like right. it's one thing to be seen by other people, but it was like, you're not stupid. You're not lazy. You're not crazy. You're not any of these stories that I had come up myself. I was like, if this is your fucking brain. It just can't. Like there's just certain things that it can't, or it has a hard time doing or blah, 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 whatever it was. And so kind of understanding what it meant and what it looked like. So when you kind of had that moment, did you seek out supports or? Actually around that time, I had met a friend on Instagram and we started following each other. She's a therapist and HD, like she's on the more like the hyperactive side of it, whereas I'm more the inattentive deficit side. That's more me conversations about what because she had done a ton of research she's on medication she's been to therapy for it and so her and I would talk about it and it would again like it would just constantly blow my mind and I'm like okay and then it was this really cool thing where like we both saw each other and we were both like oh my god and we had these this common plate like safe place I guess to talk to talk about it mm -hmm. and then I started sharing and I started in my on my Instagram and like the number of messages that I would get that are like wait that's ADHD or like wait what wait that's not normal wait what and like and I was like I I know and then all of a sudden I have this like this <laughs> all of these people in my inbox being like um, so uh, after I saw your post, I went and um, I got a diagnosis and it turns out I'm ADHD. And these are people who are like 35, 40, 45, 50, mostly women. Oh man, there are so many of us out there. Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, like seeing some of your posts, I'm, I've been talking to my doctor and I'm like waiting to talk to somebody about it because... Like starting from you, and then I don't know if you, he's bigger on TikTok, Wayne Hanna, Good Morning Assholes. I don't Do you think so. Him? He's in oh Peter. God, that sounds like oh, an oh, account I need to follow, though. He's really funny. He has ADHD. He was diagnosed as a kid, but he went off medication because he served in the military and he uh, couldn't serve in the military on meds. And he hadn't been on them and get in, in since like last year. I think he went back on them. And it like was a huge change for him. And so between him talking about it and then seeing your posts and then I was like, I don't know. That's I feel like that's yes. resonating with me. And mm -hmm. I feel like I need to do something yes. about that and see yes. at least. But yeah, like it does. It ha I feel like it has an impact when somebody is sharing so vulnerably about something like that mm -hmm. that you that you identify with. It's often something that we think of, I think, or that we associate with children and specifically boys. That's the other thing I was going to say. Like when you're saying all these women, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Well, girls, I think, are mm -hmm. underdiagnosed. Massively underdiagnosed. But I'm sure it wasn't even considered when any of us were. Uh, honestly, like the, the really interesting thing is 
so I've done a ton of, re I hyper-focus, that's another ADHD trait. And so when we find something that's really interesting, we're like in it and nothing can stop us from learning about it. And so ADHD became my, my hyper-focus. And uh, through the courses and, and readings that I did, first of all, the majority of ADHD research up until recently was done on white five-year-old boys. boys. So <laughs> that's like such a specific part of the population. Yes. And mm -hmm. like, and then I think too, when you think of ADHD, you think of a hyper boy bouncing around the class, not paying attention, can't focus. Right. Whereas with women mm -hmm. and girls, again, just generally speaking, we're more like the overachievers, we're the overperformers, we're the teacher's pet, we're the, those things, because it's like we have this compensation thing and this need for validation. That's a very ADHD trait. And um, so mm -hmm. when you look at a, a girl who's excelling in school and getting amazing marks, you're like, great, she's, she's doing fine, like no problem there. And then and then she gets to, you know, adulthood. There's so many burnt out ADHDers because like you just get to a point where you're like, I don't fucking care anymore. I can't do this. Like I just, whether it's through kids, whether it's through a pandemic, like I think a lot of people too are, mm -hmm. the pandemic mm -hmm. I think has stripped so many of us of these past stories, past all of these pieces. And now we're just, <laughs> sounds very bleak, but I think like a lot of us are kind of just like shells of humans right now, just like getting through yeah. this well you are you're like locked in your house with whoever you like came out of you and who you did it with if you're lucky enough to have that person and like or you're you single know, like, like even for single folks right who yeah. had who were like yeah like alone. alone like zoom calls only go so far and you know it's I yeah. think just no matter what stage of life you're in it's everybody I think took that step back and was like hey what the fuck am I doing like what what is what's the plan right like and yeah. just time to slow down and actually notice things about ourselves like about our partners about our kids about anything and it's been like okay well so many of our distractions exactly exactly right and all of a sudden you're like trapped in a house with yourself <laughs> and your family and but a yeah. lot of, a lot more time to like I think to self-reflect and big time notice those things big time. And I have heard it said about other like neurodivergent people. And I'm thinking about like autism and Asperger's specifically that they say those girls tend to be a little bit better at that masking you were talking yes. about and yes. a little bit higher in that social monitoring. So they yes. figure out, they use their intelligence to figure out how to fit in although they're not really feeling like they fit in. Yes, they're really good at pretending. They're that's good me. at pretending. Exactly. Good. So that's interesting. Do you think that that's was like a factor in you not getting diagnosed earlier? Oh, a thousand percent. And, you know, this is kind of one of those pieces too, where it's like, is it the ADHD or is it the, the childhood trauma? But it's like, I, from a very young age, have been a people pleaser. Like, as far as I can remember, like I remember when my sister was born, I was five and a half. And like, I remember carrying her down the stairs and like, just being so proud of, not even proud of myself, but like my parents were like, oh my God, that's amazing. And like, just that need for attention. Like I've always had that. And so I think that that fueled, like I would always do enough to 
to get like 70s, you know, or Bs. And that was, right. that was fine. And I'd be told that if you applied yourself, you know, you'd be smart or you'd do better, blah, blah, blah. Cool. But then like, it was enough to get acknowledgement and praise and, mm-hmm. and, and all of those pieces. And, and then through all of this, we actually moved four times. So I was in four different schools in four years or something like that. And so I think that actually just like strengthened my ability to mask and just fit in because I had to, like it was survival, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that skill that was an ADHD skill then became a survival skill. And then it just, it just happens. Like it just, even now to this day, despite all of my work, I find myself very much matching people's energy just subconsciously without even thinking about it or just like saying something mm-hmm. that I think they want to hear because that that like people pleasing and that like yeah. desire just sticks it's just easy. I'm I'm a bit of a people pleaser too yeah. it's hard it's <laughs> really hard man like recovery your whole life like I don't know if it ever goes away you know like I don't I think it gets a lot better and a lot easier and you know boundaries become easier and as you practice it like it's like a muscle but it's still there like it's still mm-hmm. you know it takes that conscious effort and again, we're fucking tired. So sometimes we just, that effort's not there and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally okay. But it's, it, yeah, people pleasing is, it's hard. It's a hard one. So what are some of the things, I hope you don't, I hope I'm not digging, I don't know too much, Please. but like, what are some of the things that I guess you were seeing on TikTok that you were like, oh, that's me. <laughs> like, what are some of the things that you do or that you notice about kind of, your life that I don't know. So yeah, so many things. Um, I think it's very important to also like, and, and this is something I've been aware of to note that some of the traits of ADHD, you know, neurotypical people have, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are moments of forgetfulness or there's moments of getting distracted or there's moments of whatever. And the main thing with the ADHD is that it's been present for at least, I think it's like the last six months and that it impacts your daily life. So it's not just because you're tired, it's because, you know, you don't have dopamine in your brain and that's just how your brain works. So a lot of what I noticed actually came from when I was working in a corporate job. So um, I worked in the corporate world for 10, 10 plus years and I was, (laughs) uh, so the, not being able to apply myself, the being very scattered, like no matter how many fucking post-it notes I had, no matter how many flags in my inbox, no matter how many reminders I set, I was always forgetting something. I was always like not able to live up to where everybody else was at. Mm -hmm. The masking, that was a big one for me to even have the language to describe what it was that I was doing. And almost Mm -hmm. like, you know, putting putting it on and morphing into who I thought people wanted me to be and and the mental space that that took up and the just the distractedness like you know the very stereotypical one of of distracted but it's not just like oh something shiny it's like (laughs) like the perfect example is just like you come in from the door from you know you come into the house 
you put your keys down, you have to go pee, go into the bathroom, you notice that your mirror is dirty. So you start to clean that. And then you realize that you're out of toilet paper. So you go up the stairs and you're like, oh, fuck, I got to put that on my grocery list. I'm going to go downstairs to the grocery. You know, like it's, it's all of these series of events that like, and then you don't even remember what it was that you were starting to do at the, at, at the beginning of all of that. Or, you know, you've left, <laughs> I left a toothbrush in my closet in my office the other day because I forgot about something that I had to do. And last night I had nothing to brush my teeth with because I couldn't, I didn't know where the fuck I put my toothbrush. And so there's that like very much absent-mindedness, mm-hmm. I think is like mm-hmm. the cute term that is used, but mm-hmm. it's very debilitating like it's very debilitating when you can't trust your brain mm-hmm. and you know r- memory is a big is a big challenge I struggled with that in my corporate job a lot my boss would be like we talked about this and I'm like I have no memory of any of that and feeling this like sense of shame and so mm-hmm. learning that that was like those those are just like some off the top of my head there's so many. Yeah, no, it's great. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a quirky thing, but then it's also like really fucking debilitating. Oh, and the burnout. I think that was the biggest one that like I really resonated with at the time was like the, the neurodivergent burnout where you're just, you literally can't no matter what you want to do. And often that is, I think, misdiagnosed with depression because they, they look very similar because you like, well, yeah, it's like, there's also like, I think actually we were talking, we referenced Jess yeah. earlier, but she is this, this woman that we had on the podcast is ADHD. And she was talking about like the time suck or like oh the God, time, yes. like where you like lose complete yes. track of time. Yes. And it can be hours. It can be, you know, I have, <clears throat> I have a client of mine who said that uh, he lost three days and just like, didn't eat, didn't sleep because like he was researching something and was just like, so, and and that so, happens like it literally almost happened before I came on with you guys today I was like oh I have five minutes I'm just gonna jump onto TikTok and I look up and it's you know 8 31 and I was like I yeah. TikTok kind of does is. that though to, <laughs> to be fair you're bit, right to be, to be fair it's TikTok it's not it wasn't something else like but I could it could easily be and it's just like anything that like dopamine so dopamine is the big chemical for ADHD or dopamine and serotonin and so if it gives you that dopamine hit you're gonna fucking do it like so that's another one the impulse shopping like I'm very much an impulse shopper I love spending money but I have a lot of money shame and so it's like this really fun game that I play with myself um but like if I see something and there's that like shop now button or like buy now it's happening if I wait five minutes I usually get over it but like that that hard it, to wait that right? five minutes and you're like i need it i yeah. fuck it i need this planter it has boobs on it i love that I, that's what i want <laughs> you need that yeah. lisa no you kill all of your plants what are you doing i'm like nope i'm gonna be a plant i hyper focused on gardening like the hyper focus piece was so interesting to me as well like i hyper focus i don't know that i have adhd i don't think but you do. i definitely hyper focus yes um to like the marvel of people who know me well who are just like whoa like <laughs> right you're really into this topic right now <laughs> you have just spent like my husband's like you just spent five hours researching strollers I'm like yeah 
I know the strollers, but that's (laughs) neurodivergent or not, that gives you that dopamine hit, right? Like it makes you feel good and it makes, or you're interested in it or you're engaged in it. Yeah. I mean, I think the strollers is like an anxiety piece as well. Cause like, I really want to know that I'm making the very best decision. So I have to compare everything (laughs) to like make sure I'm I'm like that with our budget. I like really (laughs) get into our budget and then ignore it completely. But like when I'm because of the anxiety, right? Like same thing. I'm like, okay, are we going to have like, we're going to have enough money. This is where we're putting this This is what we're doing with this, putting this on the credit card, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then I ignore it. But like, I think something that we should like note and say is that if you are someone who's like identifying with what Lisa is saying, or you had to TikTok during this or to her feed, you need to talk to your doctor, like Um, self-diagnosis. Loosely. And like, I cannot, like that's what I did like I I was in a place where I was like I this might be me and my what I did was call my doctor and and just just to be clear yes. none of us <laughs> have had no. any business no and I make that abundantly clear helping you figure out what yes. you are <laughs> yes thank you for that disclaimer and same thing with the like relatability right because there are a lot of tricks like yeah. the hyper focus for you is more of an anxiety piece versus the ADHD piece yeah. right like there is Probably. a lot of yeah um, overlap between all of them. Like I really, this is just my opinion. I have zero scientific backing, but based on my experiences, mental health is very much a spectrum, right? And like, it's Mm -hmm. all very interrelated. It all very much plays off of each other. And, uh, you know, and then I think too, like symptoms can change based on your life experiences and based on you know yeah. who you are in your life. Like I was telling you before, like everything really changed when I became a mom, like, a lot of symptoms came to the surface after that. Well, and I think there's something to be said, like we, we've talked here before and it's something Tisha and I've talked about a lot about how becoming a mom is like really transformative. Absolutely. And there's often, we both believe that there is, you experience trauma when you give birth, Massively so. whether it's as, as in your face as our one guest, yeah. Kaylee, who, you know, was unconscious when or when her son yeah. was born but like there's it's traumatic birth is a traumatic thing and then to like deal with postpartum depression or even if you don't like there's that trauma that you have Absolutely. to kind of live with and come back from right um and so it just always calls things into yeah. question in some way and like forces you to kind of i mean when you're a mom with babies it's like kind of yes. hard to <laughs> But as somebody who is still dealing with the trauma, my trauma from two and a half years ago, it just every, everyone kind of as an adult anyway, it kind of forces this shift. So it kind of started for you when you became a mom. And then, but then it was like last year, years, year and a half ago when you were like, oh, wait a minute. Wow. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. That's me. So you don't have to answer this, but I probably Probably. think you will. Um, Are you on medication? No. So (laughs) the interesting thing, even though I have a diagnosis... Um, I don't have the paperwork because I don't keep track of paperwork and because uh, you have ADHD, I have ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, also you were 18 when that paperwork was done, but right, right, right. It would be miraculous. Like I literally either either hold on to everything or nothing. Like there's no in between and it depends on where I am in my, um, you know, cleaning cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am medicated for anxiety, so I do take Zoloft and I have been on that since um, I was had postpartum depression with Oliver. So that was five-ish years ago. 
Uh, and then in the last year, I actually doubled my dose and then doubled it again. So in the conversation with my doctor, he was like, you know, try with the anxiety meds that you're on right now, because you, according to him, don't quote me, but you need the diagnosis to go on the ADHD medication. So he was like, try this, see how it goes. And then we can kind of go from there. And for me, it made all of the difference. Like just Mm -hmm. the, I still have ADHD symptoms in my everyday life, but I'm learning how to live with them and work with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can only do that because I came out of like, I was in a really big depression last year. Like there's just no other way to say it. And, And so the meds helped me to like clear that fog to then like, put practices into place to help me live my life in a way that felt better because Mm -hmm. it was way too like it was just everything was hard last year and I mean I I know it's not exclusive to me like I think everybody was really feeling that and continues to yeah um so that so yeah so I am on meds but not ADHD meds yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) long story short (laughs) that's okay so I mean you've really I think started to like identify with that, with that diagnosis. But did you ever consider that like part of your identity? Like when you were diagnosed at 18, like, would you tell people that you had ADHD or did you ever think about it? A great question. I think it was more of a like party trick, you know, that it was like, Oh, I have ADHD that I'm so cute and random. Like, I think it mm-hmm. was more about that versus understanding the actual impacts that it had on my life. Yes. Right. Okay. And, and so as a teen, and this is a very common thing with ADHD years is I got a guys, I've had a lot of speeding tickets, like a lot of them, like in one year I had like four and that was my like ADHD years are notoriously reckless in a lot of ways not all of them but that was like you know that's a common thing um because dopamine and like there was you know university was a massive struggle for me like a massive struggle somehow I managed to graduate I still have no idea how probably the masking (laughs) um and the ability to like hold on to information just long enough to regurgitate it onto a piece of paper and then you know right Mm -hmm. move on um but like drinking was a big part of my university like those those were things that I didn't realize were I relied on so heavily because of ADHD and it was Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of a way to like self-medicate I guess you could say because I didn't understand I didn't understand it I I, I had no understanding of what it even meant and so now it's very much I don't want to say like a part of my identity, but it's definitely a massive part of who I am and how I operate on a day to day. Like educating my husband was a huge piece of that. And I'm 99% sure that my oldest has it too. And so like uh, educating my husband to be like, okay, when Oliver or I act like this, this is what's happening. It's not because I'm ignoring you. That's a big thing for, for him. Like I can be on my phone and he can be like literally yelling in my ear and I do not hear him. He does not exist to me. And it's the same with, with my oldest. And I know part of that's just being a kid, but um, you know, being like, I'm not ignoring you. I just, you don't exist because I'm so focused on whatever fucking stupid TikTok I'm watching and like, and, and helping him to understand 
what it meant in the process of educating myself. And, you know, I'm not lazy. I just literally can't bring myself to tidy up around the house or, you know, I, it's not that I, my husband owns his own business too. And I help him on it. And, and it's like, it's not that I don't care about your business. It's that like, I just literally, I can't today. Like I'm done. I'm just done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, yeah, it's not because I don't care. It's because there's not a single fiber in my body that can do anything right now, except for sit. But then I also was running my business. And so I had to reserve all of my energy for my clients and that's it. That's all I had. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was the extent of it. So that's where for me, the meds have really come into play. Cause now I have energy for my clients and for my family, which is important. <laughs> what are some of yeah. the other things? So to me, this is what I'm hearing yes. <laughs> so far. Yes. Like in terms of your strategies for coping is like, I think obviously medication. Yep. But I think that piece you're talking about, like teaching your husband what it is so that you're kind of helping build that support system for yourself when, when the people who love you understand what's going on, right, then they're in a better place to support you. Yes. Um, Are there other things that you've done as well, like other strategies that you have? Definitely, I think the overtime, and it's kind of, you know, the, the interesting thing and, and what I wrestle with is I don't want to change my brain. That's not my goal. Like, I don't want to change it to fit into the way the world expects it to, because I've done that my Love whole it. over that. Yeah. However, yeah. we still live in a predominantly neurotypical world. And so there are certain expectations that I do have to, you know, like, yeah, I have to, you know, put my kids in different clothes every day to go to school or, you know, whatever it like, there's certain that like, I couldn't give two shits about, I don't care if they bath for four weeks, but that's something that is important and they need to. And, you know, obviously if they're disgusting, I will have to give them a bath, but like showering is another example. Like I fucking hate showering. It's a very sensory experience that I do not enjoy. Like the thought of like, just like it just gross. It's so (laughs) gross. Everything about it. Really? I I hate, Wow. Okay. Because when I get out of the shower, then I have to put on a towel and then there's like dry material touching wet skin. And it's just like, I want to crawl into a hole. I hate it. I hate the whole process and sensory issues. That's another big one. So don't put on a towel, but then I'm cold and then I'm grumpy about being cold. Okay. (laughs) No, it's like a no win situation, but I appreciate it. It's just like, I'm like, you're in your own house. Technically, you don't have to put on a towel. You make the rules. You're the grown up. It's true. But then like wet clothes or no, sorry, dry clothes on a wet. Oh, God. Like when people put on jeans. I I wish that the audience could see how you're like stiffening your body as you're explaining. I know she's just like sticking her tongue out like she's going to vomit. That is literally (laughs) the experience when I even just seeing people do it, you know, like in movies when like people get out of the pool and then they put on a pair of jeans. I just wanted like, no. No, it's awful. No. Um, So certain things I do have to do, right? Like there's just certain things that we have to do. But um, what I've really been trying to, to focus on is like, okay, what is important to me? So, you know, for example, I'm terrible with birthdays. And even my sons, I have to, my second, I have to like really think about it because the numbers in my kids' birthdays are kind of similar. And I, I, 
that's a, that's another big piece that I struggle with is in friendships. Like some people really care about their birthdays. I'm not one of them, but some people do. And I, I like to honor that for those people that it matters to, but it's very hard for me to remember birthdays. And so I have like 16 different reminders set up. It's in my calendar in the kitchen. Like at the beginning of the year, I'll go through and I'll write everybody's birthday in the calendar. So it's there. It's in my phone. When I find out somebody's birthday, I set a reminder for every year. Like, so the the I have like you don't just go on Facebook and like wait for it to tell you no because some people don't put when their birthday is on Facebook and then I'm like trust me I've tried there's some people I'm like fuck I can't remember their birthday they're a really good friend of mine if they care that much it should be on Facebook let's be clear because you don't have to put the year you don't have to put the year true because I just I I feel like I would know when nobody's birthday is same I know yours. I will always know yours, Tisha. Okay. Because yours is easy. My birthday is on Halloween. Oh, okay. So, there's so that like, one. It's memorable. Right? Yes. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. And I, and like, honestly, the only reason why I remember even my husband's birthdays is because it's a day after my sister's and they're exactly 10 years apart. So like, even for him, like, and I'm, you know, if I'm filling out forms or whatever, I have to like, think about for a Backdated second. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, So a lot of what I do is thank God for smartphones is I set reminders the moment something comes up. And I, so if you see if like, if I have it even now, not that the audience can see, but um, I have, oh yeah, there you go. I have like all the alarms set up Mm -hmm. for myself to remember and like literally everything, like go pick up your children or like, you know, groceries. I ordered groceries for Friday. I had to put that in there because I will forget um there's just so the reminders has been a really big thing for me is is putting and having multiple reminders which sounds chaotic Mm -hmm. and a lot of work and it is and that's often why I forget it and then I don't do it and then I forget things and then we start the cycle all over again Mm -hmm. um it's exhausting but it is that's like the the reminders help and so I just keep reminding myself like in the moment you're not because I always trick myself to be like no I'll remember a lie I never will I will not remember um unless it's like something super interesting like today I hyper fixated on this date because I did not want to miss it because I was so excited Yay! but like if it's you know something monotonous <laughs> like picking up groceries I'm gonna forget right yeah yeah, yeah. calling yeah. me and being like where are you I'm like uh, on my way groceries, yeah. and then <laughs> uh ADHDers are notorious for having like multiple notebooks that we never fill out um planners that we never use so I stopped using a planner because I never used it I would use it for like a week and then forget about it so primarily my phone is just like setting reminders on my phone having the one calendar and then routine has been like we hate routine but we thrive Need in it. routine so starting really small with like for me right now I really am focusing on my water intake that's just really important to me because I was getting migraines and and all of these things that I wasn't getting before so I have one big water bottle and my routine is at at night I fill it up put it in the fridge in the morning the first thing I do is I take it and I and it has like the markers of like where you're supposed to track it through the day so that like makes my brain all happy and Mm -hmm. like that so now that's a routine and now I don't have to think about it which is great and it just happens so Mm -hmm. the other key piece is like finding the things that are important to you and finding ways to work it into a routine that you're already Mm -hmm. doing like and I think that's just habits in general but it's especially important for ADHDers like it's so crucial that we have that routine Mm -hmm. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. No, we do. I thrive Gen in chaos too. Like that's and you know. I 
thrive on routine, like thrive on a schedule, a thrive on routine. I'm not saying that I don't. I just <laughs> like don't it. like I hear it. You. I hear you. Yeah. No, I like it. They better call me for that appointment but soon. It's interesting as I'm talking to you because I frequently say that like I'm learning to overcome just being an overwhelmed mom and certainly have suffered from burnout and relate to a lot of the forgetfulness and like feeling like I can like I just don't have my shit together and um one of the things that I have found and I don't have ADHD but one of the things I have found is like fewer things on my plate is really good yes (laughs) simple like as simple as possible and like having just like a simple routine like that totally I always my kids have a bath on Sunday and that's when I cut their nails and that's when I clean their ears and like that and it has to be on Sunday because otherwise it might not happen regularly until all of a sudden I'm looking at their nails I'm like oh shit I should probably cut those like us tonight (laughs) right because especially as a parent you're not just responsible for you yes you're responsible for these other little beings with no instructions nobody tells us what we're actually supposed to do So we're all just waiting. And it's not a choice. And it's not a choice. (laughs) And you throw work in there and all those expectations. Like, yeah. And a pandemic. Like, let's not forget the pandemic, man. That is overwhelming for anybody. Yes. Like, that is playing a massive role in all of our lives right now. Whether or not we're, like, directly impacted through, you know, the vid itself. It's all of the other layers of, like, what we were talking about. Like, isolating. It's constantly worrying if your kid every cough that comes out of my kid's mouth I'm like is this it did we get it like are we is it are we doing this are we going into this lockdown are we gonna have to you know like it's there's no planning ahead like there's no breaks like there's no something to look forward to because it's hard to make plans right now like yes right and or you make the plans and then cancel, but you n- never know if right. you're going to keep them. And so you're not even really excited because that's like the best part, I think, about making plans and traveling and, and going out with friends and all of those things is like the anticipation of I have a, going yeah, to yeah. do it. Right. And yeah. we don't have that because it's like, no. or we're all just too fucking burnt out to go, like, I make plans with friends all the time. And then we both are like, sorry, I can't. I, we're just not. And it's like, I just, well, just hope the other person cancels or forgets. Yes. me and my friends we just straight up don't even pretend we're just like all we'll do a check-in and we're like how are you doing can you do you have the capacity for this and usually one of us doesn't and it's like no problem like yeah call me if you need to but also don't call me because I don't have the capacity so like I'm not talking on the phone I am not I'm not going to answer Um, a phone call thank you very much will not (laughs) do not phone me I am not answering yes I'm the times I'm alone are typically in the car, like when I'm going somewhere, when I do, on the odd time, I do have a babysitter. And so I call people yes. then and I've, I call Tisha, like not all the time, yeah. but I do. And you can always tell she's like, hi, and I'm like, I'm driving. I can't text you. <laughs> like, why are you phoning me? And I'm alone. <laughs> and I'm alone. And I thought of this. So I have to call you. I mean, I'd be the same way if someone called My me. My husband and I call answering the phone living on the edge. It is. thousand percent it's like if you want to dance with danger pick up your phone when somebody calls you that is yeah he's like like, my phone is ringing I'm like do you feel like living on the edge it's amazing I love it look at me right now I'm living on the edge I'm gonna 
answer it. I'm gonna answer it. I'm so wild. (laughs) What is this person calling me for? I feel that in my bones, especially if it's an unknown number or like a number you don't recognize. I I do like that's just I do for the most part. There are certain people if they call that I don't really think anything of it. Yes. So it was about a year ago that this you had this whole like I like to say come to Jesus with like your ADHD. And it seems like from following you on Instagram and connecting with you on it on the gram, you also had kind of like an identity shift going on as well. Yes. Probably as a result of all the self-reflection and isolating and pandemic life and all of it, I would imagine. But um, but could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So um, being a life coach, one of my very and running a coaching business, one of my biggest things is I want to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. So I want to do the work that I'm encouraging my clients to do. Um, no, maybe not exactly the same amount of, or like the same type of work, but I want, that's important to me. And I've, and Mm -hmm. my mom's been in therapy my whole life. Like that was very normalized for me as a kid. And so, um, around the time that I started my business three years ago, um, I was working with a coach and, and all of these things. And then the pandemic hit and um, continue to, to do that work and strip back layers. And this was before I really identified with my ADHD. And uh, there was a moment in my life where, or there was a moment where I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm bisexual. Like I'm like 80% sure that I'm bisexual. And so I told my husband, we were <laughs> out for lunch on like one date that we got. And, and he was kind of like, okay, and then we just kind of changed topics. And then I took it back and I was like, no, 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 I'm not. I just think women are pretty. And then a few months later, it was like, no, I'm definitely bisexual. Like it was as the layers were stripped back and, and TikTok, I found lesbian TikTok and fell down that rabbit hole. And I was like, there's just so many things that I was like, wow. Okay. So I, again, came out to my husband and then started to come out to friends. And uh, my mom knows, my sister knows. Um, I mean, at this point, if you look at my profile, like you're like, yeah, she's probably queer in some capacity. I have a pride flag, everything's rainbows. Like, but it was, it was a time, like it was very challenging for our marriage because I have little to no experience with women. Like I never, I grew up with a Mennonite background. So gay wasn't a thing like it just Mm -hmm. wasn't you just weren't my mom like was cool with the lgbtq community but like we like it was okay for them but like never really explained to me that it was okay for me it was just one of those things and so again with the adhd similar to that experience looking back on my life and i'll still have moments now where i'm like oh lisa you're gay, babe, like, you're, you're bisexual, like, that's, you know, but I was too scared to even, even, like, think about that. And so, yeah, and, and, and I'm in a monogamous marriage. And, and my husband was like, you know, what are we doing here? Like, what do you and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, this is just as scary to me as it is to you, right? Like, so we've, it's been very much and that I think, instead of exploring that, sexually it was more like how can I identify as that as a woman in a cis monogamous marriage Mm -hmm. 
um, yeah. a hetero monogamous marriage, I mean, sorry. And uh, so, you know, I did an undercut and I <laughs> dyed my hair purple and I, you know, I just kind of bought a bunch of rainbow things and, and again, started having conversation with other people in my DMs who are going through the same thing. And we're like, mm-hmm. you know, me too. Like that was just never something that was talked about. And now I'm realizing most of us who are in heterosexual marriages and being like, cool. So what does this mean? And to be honest, I still don't really have an answer. Like it's still mm-hmm. something that I'm exploring and understanding and, and, you know, connecting with other queer folks who are on this journey as well has been really helpful for me to just even have that feeling of like, I'm not alone. Right. Like, I think Mm. there's a lot of, especially when you grow up with religion, there's a lot of shame in being queer. Like there just, there is. And Mennonites are very conservative. And so that's basically unheard of. Um, And yeah, it's just, you know, and then having conversations with like, it's having conversations with my kids and, you know, mm-hmm. people have two daddies, two mummies, one daddy, one mommy, like, and, and, you know, it's not just boy, girl. I'm like, there's, there's other pronouns, there's they, them, there's, and helping them to understand it. And I'm at least in like helping them to feel safe, to be whoever they are, whatever it is, like, yeah, whatever it is. And that's very important to me because my mom did the, best that she could with what she had but you know she was very accepting and very loving when I came out to her it was a very positive experience and I'm very fortunate in that um but yeah it was (laughs) it was we grew up in a bit of a different generation too where I don't think a lot of parents had that thought to talk to their children about these things totally well because it was kind of like you would never want your child to be that or yeah like, and like and I totally get that like it's okay for other people like you yes. like you're like it is not going to be okay for you to so- call somebody gay it's not going to be right. okay for you to mistreat somebody because of their right. sexuality but it's also maybe not going to be okay for you right to be that right <laughs> right like oh there was none of that in my house not even like like there are people who like that right are you kidding wasp being real family <laughs> totally Totally. I learned about that at my all girls, very progressive high school. That's amazing. about what? Like about, that about, about being gay. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough. I don't ever remember anybody saying gay people exist, but it was definitely not a conversation in my home. I grew up in Toronto. I've lived in that. Toronto my entire life. So I think just like being in a, in a big sure. metropolis, totally. just, there are gay people around. Well, and your mom worked in like, social services yes, yeah, of some yeah. sort so so like d- very yes. different yeah no, no and but even though even even the university I went to didn't realize this but was very conservative like I remember one year the I don't even remember what the group was called that that supported the LGBTQ community but there was like gay jeans day and wear jeans in support <laughs> oh, of yeah. I was like what's a gay jean I'm trying to like <laughs> And I had friends who wore jeans every day and did not on that day. Oh, wow. Okay. Very, very conservative Jesuit university. So yeah, it was just, it just was a different time. And meanwhile, I have a nine-year-old who like is definitely playing around with pronouns right now. Yeah. It was just, it was just such a different time. And I guess it's just, it feels really like 
I mean, and you're still figuring it out, obviously. But like, I could imagine your husband being like, what so like, you're leaving me for a woman? Like, totally, what's happening here? 100%. And it was like, it was a lot. Like, it was, it was really challenging. We did um, couples therapy and like, you know, just navigating because his whole thing was like, you're probably going to want to explore that. And I'm like, maybe, I don't know, not in this moment, but like, maybe I do, I don't know. And, and I don't like not knowing, like, mm-hmm. that's not something that I deal well with. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's for a lot of people, but. Well, especially in something like that, like when, like when, there's this thing about like, once you're married, like you're with your person, totally, you're good, you're totally. set. And it's been really interesting through these conversations that I've been having with like other people and sharing my journey and all of these things. First of all, I've noticed that there's like actually a much larger polyamorous community that I even knew. Um, and not, we're not dabbling in that, but like just, and, and the, the swinger scene in Durham is like massive. And I had no idea. And I was talking to people who, who are in that scene. And it's just like, the point of all of this is I think, it's just so interesting what happens when you share your story and people are like, mm-hmm. Oh my, and, and that's a big piece for me too. And just my business and, and me as a person is creating that community around things that like people feel shame around. Right. Like, you know, some people don't feel safe talking about that because there are, there is still a fuck ton of judgment. There's still a fuck mm-hmm. ton of, you know, homophobia that, and just like deep inherent homophobia that they don't even realize is homophobia or, you know, when referring to a trans person and being like, well, he used to be a girl. And it's like, no, they're just a girl. If that's their pronouns, they're just mm-hmm. a girl now. And, and like, it's just so deep seated. It's just so, it just runs so deep. Well, it's, it's kind of systemic. Like when exactly. we talk about like racism exactly. and white supremacy, yes. right. It's the same yes. thing. And I just even think back to when we had Carling on the show, like how she managed to figure out in her early teens that she was a lesbian and came out and was like, without even a conversation kind of put back in the closet. And it, and it actually, it was, I was reminded of that conversation in the beginning when you were talking about your ADHD and like, I did the things I was supposed to do. Like we do, like there's this, like it's, but it's, it's come up a few times, like more than just these two times, I feel like about like the, these things that we're like, supposed, supposed to, to yep. do. And I believe Carling. And if, if anybody wants to go back, you can listen to that episode. It's Carling's story of coming out um, or Carling's coming out story, but she, I think referred to it as the heteronormative agenda. Very much. Like, yes, <laughs> it's the agenda, agenda, right? Exactly like what it is. Yeah. And that belief that like in order to have value, you have to like have a house, buy a house, have a job, be an, you know, upstanding yeah, member of society, kids, yeah. whatever the fuck that means. And it's just like, what I really appreciate about Gen Z, at least my understanding through TikTok, is they're very much like, fuck all of that. Fuck it all. All of that. I don't buy into any of it. I don't subscribe to your gender norms. I don't subscribe to your, you know, monogamous lifestyle. I don't subscribe to the hustle culture. Like I've seen a lot of TikToks of like, you know, Gen Z starting a new job and they're like, I start at eight and I end at five. Do not contact me outside of those hours. And I'm like, Oh my God, if I, ha- I cannot imagine. Oh my God. That was setting not that boundary when I worked in that world. Are you kidding? You went to work, you left work, 
you maybe had dinner and then you worked again and then you started and you completed that circle. I was on vacation and I still had my fucking phone with me and I was still answering emails. I ran the social media and I was the only person who understood how it even worked. So I had to respond to things on it. Like it's just, it's just such a different, and I'm like, fuck yeah, man, set those boundaries. Like, and don't subscribe to anything, figure it out for yourself. You decide what you want to do. You decide how you want to be. But like, even for us as kids, the question we always were asked were like, what's your job going to be? What are you going to be when you grow what up? Do you and be instead when you of grow? being like a nice person, it was like, I'm going to be a lawyer or a doctor or make lots of money. And not that there's anything wrong with making lots of money. I would love to, but. Or being a doctor or a lawyer. Yes, those are beautiful that. things, but like you can also be something instead of that or outside of that. Like that doesn't have to be, yes. you don't have to just be a mom. You can be a mom who also, you know, doubles in the, uh, you know, S and M world. Like, I don't know, whatever, like whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be. It's just yeah. like, they're just, it's just so interesting how that was never, I don't think ever really communicated to us as kids and in through our adolescence. But seriously, like it all, I feel like it all really is like, intertwined right this idea of doing what you're supposed to do mm -hmm. and and even with what you're talking about masking like you're supposed to fit in and so you have to so especially at, at I think even more so in those situations feels like you're you're doing what you're supposed yes. to be doing like Carly yes. was doing what she was supposed to be doing when she was uh, you know adhering to the heteronormative agenda of mar getting married and having a dog and trying to have babies yes. Um, with her ex-con husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> but like, it kind of makes me mad. Like there shouldn't be anything you're supposed to do other than like be yes. kind and be happy and contribute something to society. And be happy. Like, I think that that's like one of the biggest things that I'm focusing on right now is like being happy for me and like mm -hmm. finding my own happiness as like as it relates to my family and and all of that but like I've I've always and I this is very much for me a part of my ADHD is that external validation piece and really like stepping away from that and being like what makes me happy like what do I enjoy mm -hmm. what lights me up and I couldn't tell you honestly guys I couldn't tell you and it changes all the time because of ADHD but like it's it's asking myself that question like what does make me happy? Like that really stopped me in my tracks a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, and who am I? Like, who am I outside of all these masks that I wear? Like, yeah. you know, I'm job Lisa, I'm coach Lisa, I'm mom Lisa, I'm wife Lisa, but like stripping all of those away, what, who, and, and it changes day to day, right? Obviously. And it changes, you know, circumstance to circumstance. But I, one of the coaches that I was working with was like, just like whatever you want to do in that day just do it you don't have to have rules you don't have to you know one day mm -hmm. you can be your quirky crazy self and the next day you can be depressed as fuck and that's okay like but there's so many rules yes. that we think we have to totally. kind of abide by and I think a lot of people and myself included we like get lost in all of that Possibly. and then I don't know do we come to a certain age where we're just like what am I doing? Yes. Like, I think so. Right. Like what yeah. makes me happy? And, and I've said before, like, I feel like I kind of lost. Is this what we call a midlife <laughs> crisis? Like what they call the midlife crisis? Quarter life? Maybe. But like, I definitely feel like, you know, I reached a point where I'm just like, well, what the heck do I want? Like, right. 
Yes. Who am I outside of being a mom? How do I want to actually spend my time? Right. And like, this is such a, I don't know, ridiculous example, but like I got rid of a coffee table in my front room because I never use it. But the rule is if you have a couch, you have a coffee table. You got to have the coffee table. Right. But like, I'm so much fucking happier without it. And the room actually looks better without it. And like it took up all this space that I didn't need. (laughs) And now my dog's like loving life on the carpet. And my kids have so much more room to dance. I'm like, why the fuck did I have that coffee table here for so long? Because that's what you should do. says you got a couch, you got a coffee table. That's what you do with your house. Yes. (laughs) Right. You buy the house. hundred percent. And then you furnish it. Well, where do you put a drink if you're sitting at it and you have a drink, though? Where do you put the drink? Or do you just never ever drink? Side that? table. Oh, you have a side <laughs> table. You have a side yes. table. Okay, so there's still a I table. I leave a lead on the back. If of I have couch? a well, if I have a coffee table, I don't have a right. side table. Yes, yes, totally. Maybe you know what I mean. And then yeah, and right. <coughs> that's just Excuse you know me. curiosity. Like yeah. I'm not saying you need this. I don't <laughs> think like, you need it. I'm just um, asking. I'm sitting here. I've got like three glasses I'm around me here like, on my laptop, and I've got my laptop on the piano bench, which will just go right. back to the piano when I'm done. Perfect. I mean, yeah, and I mean it's just a silly example, but. There's so many things like yes. that where we just have things because we're just supposed to. Like, yes. Or we're doing things because that's just what you're supposed to do. One of there's too many rules. One of my questions right now is says who? You know, my husband or, or someone will say, like, oh, well, we should do this. And I'm like, says who? Like, why? Why? Even just like um, someone posted about this the other day with, with their kids. And they were like, my kids said that they wanted um, tacos for breakfast. And it was like, yeah, says who that, why not? Like literally, why not? If it's good enough for dinner, it's good enough for breakfast. It has all of the components, like, right? Like it's just, there's so Seems many- healthy enough. Like, listen, it's better than- Healthier than cereal. Say, like healthier than the Lucky Charms that they were going to be eating anyways. So, you know, like it's yeah. just what's so, and it's just like breaking those, you know, kids having meltdowns in the middle of the store. It's like, my husband gets really flustered with that. And I do too, don't get me wrong. But then at the same time, I'm like, who cares? Who said like, or, you know, when we're trying to teach our kids to like control their emotions, I'm like, but says who, like, why can't we just, if you're at home, obviously at an appropriate time, but like my Oliver and I will scream into a pillow beside each other because we need that, like that tension release, release. right? Like, and yeah. teaching them. So instead of like, and this is kind of similar to what I'm doing with my ADHD, like instead of covering it up, how do we healthfully express it? Because it's going to come out somewhere, right? Like it's like a, yeah, it's yeah. Like a pop bottle. You, you, you're going to keep shaking it. It's going to eventually explode. So it's like, we, we talk a lot about just like, you can feel angry. Yes. You can have your, your yes. feeling, but you don't get to no. hurt your brother. You don't get to scream right. at me about it. You don't get right. to like do that right. stuff, but that doesn't mean you can't feel right. how you're feeling. And how do we like, like what a gift to be like, imagine being taught that, like how to <laughs> express your emotion. I was not like, that. it's just, <laughs> and that's just like one example, but there's just so many times where like somebody will say something to me and I'm just like, but, but says who, like, who, who are we bumping up against this? And, you know, this is a lot of my work and the work that I do with people as well is like, is, is we have these, and this is sorry, such a total sidebar, but like, we have these kind of like, I call them voices in our heads that often dictate what we do. And we have like our inner child voice, we have our like parent voice, and then we have our higher self voice. That's like our, who our adult self Mm -hmm but often it's the inner child and the parent that are running the show. And so what we're doing is like with your coffee table example is like, 
there was somewhere along the line that that was taught to you that that's what you're supposed to do. So just subconsciously, you have the coffee table there. And then your higher self is like, but why? I, I don't like it. It doesn't fit with my my lifestyle. It doesn't fit with my vibe, my whatever. And like, that's that higher voice that's coming in and being like, but why? And so mm-hmm. what's been really interesting for me and a lot of the work that I've been doing with myself, my, one of my coaches taught me this about the voices is like, who's running the show? Like, who is it right now that's actually saying these things? And then you have like your inner critic as well, which is kind of like a byproduct of all of these other places. But like, if I'm having a critical moment about my body, I'm like, but who is saying this to me right now? Because it's not actually what I, I, I'm very much in love with all bodies. All bodies are good bodies. I actually love my body. And that's been a transformation in itself too. But like, when I don't feel good about it, I'm like, but what, what's that voice? Like who's actually in control right now? And it's usually, mm-hmm. you know, my parents or society or whoever I whisper, like they can't hear me if they're, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my parents, like, no, they, if they're listening, they're listening. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it, it's just that, that really interesting, like, okay, so when I was a kid, this is the way that we were told to do things, but I'm challenging that narrative now. And now Mm -hmm. my higher self Mm -hmm. is coming through and being like, fuck that, we're not doing that. And I mean, it's easier said than done. Trust me, it's a process, but it's, it's been really interesting to, to really like give those (laughs) voices in my head, um, (laughs) um, to give them a label and help them and and understand what they are. Cause Mm -hmm. don't trust most of your thoughts because they're mostly based in past stories. And that's been, I thought I could do a whole other podcast on that. So I won't go into it, but um, <laughs> hi, this is what happens when you talk to an ADHD individual. How many topics have we covered tonight? Every one of them? Like we talked about racism. We talked it's about homophobia. Though. We talked about ADHD. We talked about being queer. Like we're really, we're. <laughs> but it's good. You got yeah. like, but it's all stuff that's going yeah. on with you. And, and it sounds like from the connections that you're making and the people you're talking to that you're not yes, the only one. Totally. So totally you know, we, we appreciate your vulnerability, not that it was a surprise, but it's just nice. It's not, we, we like to have these totally. kinds of vulnerable conversations. Totally. And I love that you guys have the space to do it. It's so important. Like it's so important that stories are heard and that people, mm-hmm. like, I think where so much, so much challenge or so many problems in the world comes from misinformation, people not understanding, people not taking the time to understand. And also like, shame like I think so much is so much is rooted shame. in shame right mm-hmm. and like when yeah. we release yep. that shame it, it's a game changer and again way easier said than done like it's so ingrained in every part of living like having debt is shame have you know like whatever it is motherhood is full of shame well right yeah so it's like if we're able to release that and have these conversations and like feel less alone and connection like it's it's beautiful I think it's so beautiful that you guys have this and are doing this and sharing people's stories because that's that's what we need like that's what we need right now so thanks for allowing me to I I love to talk about myself (laughs) I think I think most people do though I think most people when it comes to like certain things in life like to like have the space yeah totally We'll have you back and we'll talk about like another six topics. Great. I am anything. <laughs> yes. I, I will like, and then I'll hyper focus on it and then I'll know everything. <laughs> Amazing. Um, we will have how you can contact Lisa or get in touch with her, follow her on TikTok and Instagram and all the things, um, work with her, all yes. of it. Yes. 
in the show notes. So definitely check her out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, remember your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.